I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I have a question for you. Have you ever been mad at God? Maybe you prayed and prayed and prayed and others prayed and your prayers weren't answered. Maybe you lost a, a loved one. Uh, maybe someone hurt you in a way uh, that you wonder why God would even allow that. Maybe now you're suffering chronic pain or a broken relationship. These are hard things. Uh, but these are things that the Bible does address, uh, and there are some truths, as hard as they may be to hear at times, that can help you cope with these things. We're going to discuss that today uh, with a counselor, the pastor of counseling at Summit Church out in, in Durham, uh, Pastor J.D. Greer's church. A lot of good things going on out there. He has a new book. It's called Angry at God, except the word at is crossed out, and it says with. What does that mean? Brad Hambrick is our guest, the author of this book, uh, and I think he's going to offer you some things that will help you in your hard times. And if you're not going through a hard time, this will be a good conversation, too, because as my former pastor used to say, if you're not coming out of a storm, you're in the middle of it or you're going into it. That's life. Brad, great to have you on Life Today Live. It's wonderful to be with you. I appreciate the invitation. I am guessing, as a pastor of Counseling a Large Church, that um, this is something that you run into quite a bit. Yeah, one of the aspects of being a counselor uh, is uh, people invite you into the hardest parts of their life, um, and uh, you get the opportunity, I would even say the privilege, uh, to come alongside of them when uh, they're facing the hardest things that they faced in their life to that point. Um, and really, it was a number of those kinds of conversations over, uh, at this point, I'm getting older, so 20 plus years of doing this, uh, that uh, kind of shaped the content of this book uh, to where I hope it serves others who, uh, who are going through comparably hard times. Have you, have you experienced any of this yourself? I mean, is, how much of this is personal? Uh, we live in a very broken world. Um, and, uh, if you're going to have close relationships, if you're going to invest in things that are meaningful to you, um, I don't know how you don't go through some of those seasons where your questions have jagged edges, hmm. uh, and they just feel sharp and hot and hard. And, and you want to know, like, can I pray like this or do I, do I have to get myself together and then come back um, when my attitude's in a better spot to be able to have a conversation with God? Yeah, yeah. How much of the anger that people tend to feel uh, is associated with grief? Yeah, uh, and I really appreciate that question uh, because you look at the cover of the book and anger is right there on the cover, uh, and you you can, you know, when anger is a part of anything, it gets all the attention. Um, this book is really a book about grief. Um, that 
Um, when we go through profoundly hard experiences, again, the kinds of things that you listed in your introduction there, uh, a cancer diagnosis, a divorce, a church falling apart, a dream uh, coming to an end, we go through those profoundly hard things, and there's grief associated with that. We often miss the fact uh, that anger is a part of grief. Uh, even you go back to your like oldest models of grief. Some of us studied that in our intro to psychology class uh, in college. Uh, Kubler-Ross talked about denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Uh, that when our when our grief flashes red, uh, when our lament is hot, uh, that's something that a lot of Christians really struggle to go. Is it okay for me to feel this way? Can I bring this to God? How do I, how do I work through these things when the burden on me is real? Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's wrong for me to be upset about it. I just don't know how to be honest about how I feel without acknowledging some of the anger that comes with it. That can be that sticky spot for a lot of Christians. Is, is that, I'm guessing, I think I know the answer, is that why? Your your book is not angry at God, even though it, it says that you've crossed it out and put the word with. Are you suggesting that uh, in what we think of as a sin in anger, we should actually take that to God? Yeah, I mean, most of us that at versus with peace, we've we've been angry at somebody, mm-hmm. and when we talk. Uh, we probably talk fast. We talk at a higher decibel level. Our words uh, just got a little more punch and spice to them. Uh, and at the end of that conversation, we're pretty sure there's going to be one winner and one loser, and we don't want to be the loser. Um, we've probably talked about those same things that upset us with a friend. Our words may have been just as fast, just as sharp, just as loud. But at the end of that conversation with a friend, we look at them and say, thank you for hearing me. I know we weren't able to fix this yet, but I feel so much better just having the opportunity to process that with you. And when one of the Beatitudes says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted, Hmm. uh, that um, God invites us to bring Uh, these painful experiences to him. I mean, the Psalms are replete. Um, I mean, most of us are surprised when we realize if we just did the tally mark test, the number of Psalms of praise versus Psalms of lament, there are more Psalms for hard times than there are Psalms celebrating good times. Mm. Because God knew in a broken world, we would need words to bring to him in hard times. Mm -hmm. And so he inspired a book, the book that is all about words that we bring to him. And he gave more words where faith is expressed in the minor key, Mm -hmm. kind of that, the way that songs are played in tragedies and suspense movies, than in the major key. If you look at Psalms, uh, there are expressions like, you know, God, how long will you allow this? Why would, why would you do this? Have you forgotten me? And I, I think, and you tell me cause you deal with it obviously, but that there's a little bit of almost shame that comes with wanting to express those things to God that we know is supposed to be holy and perfect. And we feel like, well, we're, 
we're sinners and those two don't mix. It's almost like we got to get our act together before we can approach God. Classic misconception amongst humans. Mm -hmm. When he actually invites us to bring the mess. Do you see that? Yeah. And I'll say something in an awkward way to make a point here. I am so glad there is some heresy in the Psalms. (laughs) That when you go through the Psalms, the psalmist is like crying out, God, why are you asleep at the wheel? Why have you forsaken me? Now, we know from other parts of the Bible, God doesn't slumber and he will never forsake us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the psalmist, so many of the Psalms are written mid-journey. Like the rest of the Bible is written with this end of the journey perspective. Uh, like it, Moses is telling us what happened on the way out of uh, Egypt and the four gospels are written after the resurrection. Uh, but the Psalm is some of the freshest mid journey perspective. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's why when we find those spots where, uh, you know, there's lots of exclamation points right after one another in the Psalms. And you can tell like, this is as close as the Old Testament gets to all caps uh, in terms of trying to make its point. The psalmist is upset. The psalmist is searching. Uh, You know, the backbone for this book, Angry with God, kind of the skeleton of it is Psalm 44, um, where the first eight verses of Psalm 44, it is a pristine example of giving God credit for every good thing in your life. Like in a good season, you look at the beginning of Psalm 44 and you're like, this is how I want to talk. And we miss the fact that these grief experiences, they start in the good times. They start when we're falling in love with what has so much promise, so much opportunity, is so good. That's what makes when it changes hard. And then after verse 8, there's a Salah. We have no idea what happened. At the Salah, train wreck. And then for the next eight verses, uh, the psalmist is giving God every bit as much blame as he did credit. Mm. Then you hit four or five verses where the psalmist is just confused. Mm. I mean, it's not like, hey, you know my heart. You know, like, I couldn't hide anything from you, God, if I wanted to. If I had been unfaithful, if I was questioning, you could tell me. I mean, there's just this searching And then the book ends just with this litany of exclamation points and commands. Mm. You know, one of them being, God, wake up, rouse yourself. Mm. And at the end of Psalm 44, there's no resolution. Mm. There's no closure. And it's as if God is telling us we can have this open-ended dialogue. You don't have to know, like, what's going on. You don't have to have the answer for us to talk. I will talk to you while you're still hot and bothered because that's the way life is in a broken world. So what, what is, what is the point you think of all that? Because I mean, it's a, it's a whirlwind of emotions when we go through Mm -hmm. the grieving process. Um, If there's no resolution, what's, what's the point? Uh, There may be no short term resolution. But um, I think the biggest point is relationship. Uh, And so one of the examples that I use in there is kind of 
taking a principle from Psalm 44 and trying to use it as a parent where I have two older teenage sons. Uh, and when each of them uh, became teenagers, 13th birthday, uh, we'd take a trip um, and historically I would write them letters and put in a notebook for them, kind of letters from Papa. This one was different. Uh, I put it in a sealed envelope uh, and with a big Sharpie on the front of the envelope, I just wrote, Papa's an idiot. Um, <laughs> and uh, I said, there's going to come a point where you're up in your room. And because of something I wouldn't let you do or like something like that, you're just going to go, Papa is such an idiot. Uh, so unfair, so controlling. This is so bad. When that thought is running through your head, I want you um, if you remember this letter, open it up, and basically what the letter says is whatever it is that you're upset about right now is not more important than us. Mm. If you bring me this letter, we can talk about it. And that's what these Psalms of Lament, uh, it's like God giving us like, hey, in the midst of a hard time, we desperately want answers. And oftentimes there's nothing that offends us more than the answers that people guess at. And while we want answers, what we need is relationship. Mm -hmm. Somebody who will be with us in the midst of the storm, to use the metaphor that uh, for this kind of thing that you alluded to earlier. And so uh, the point is to have relationships that help you weather the storm. Hmm. How important is it um, because it's hard to have a relationship with someone you're angry at. Mm -hmm. How how important is it that we transition from the at God to the with God? Yeah, uh, I think it's really important. Uh, this is one where sometimes, uh, and again, I'm not disparaging this at all because I greatly appreciate the heart behind it. But people will say, you can be angry at God because he's a big God and he can take it. Um <laughs> And when, like, in that imagery, it's as if we are forcing ourselves uninvited into God's presence because we got a finger to wag. And it's not that we force ourselves in. It's that we're invited. Uh, this is one like Hebrews 4, uh, a passage of Scripture that uh, it talks about we have a great high priest uh, who's been through everything that we've been through so that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Uh, and when I was younger, my take on that passage, uh, and I don't think there's, I think it's theologically accurate. I just don't think it's the author of Hebrews point. My take on that passage was there's nothing too big you can ask of God. Like you can approach with confidence, whatever it is uh, you can ask and you can know he's big enough to do it. But that's not how the passage gets set up. It says we have a high priest who's been through all the kinds of things that we've been through, who can sympathize with us. And if you think back to a time when you had something you had carried and you finally unloaded that burden to a friend, mm -hmm. and chances are, as you were talking about it, your eyes went to the floor, they went to your shoes, and you looked up to catch the face of your friend after you had talked for a little while, the thing that you wanted to know more than anything is that they got it. 
that they understood, that they were compassionate. And when Hebrews says, we got a high priest, been through all the kind of things we've been through, sympathetic, that we can approach the throne of with grace with confidence, that when we have these kinds of things to bring, we never have to worry about whether our Father, Savior is going to look at us with confusion, with disdain, with judgment. We're going to get eyes of compassion and understanding. That's good. That's that's some hope. Uh, we're talking about angry with God. Uh, Brad Hambrick is the author and counseling pastor at Summit Church in Durham. Um, there is, is there not, Brad, uh, a, a difference between the what we're talking about, which is the anger associated with grief, you know, pain, disappointment, loss, those types of things, injustice would be another one. Is there another anger that is uh, not right? Uh, I know, I mean, you, you, you've mentioned your kids. I've, I had four. And sometimes they got really angry for very selfish, <laughs> really rotten reasons. And that's a whole different thing in my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really important question. Um, and sometimes we think just because we see the same word, that it's always the same thing. Uh, but if we just, like, if we were going to use some to many of your listeners would be well-known biblical references. Like there's James for anger. When James is talking to the people there, what causes fight, what causes quarrels among you, is it not this? Basically, you want some stuff and you don't get it, and so you bite, devour, and get nasty with one another. <laughs> right. um, and the call of James in that moment is to repent mm. because it is selfish anger. Mm. And oftentimes when we're grieving, we just assume, especially like, you know, I grew up in a small little country church and the compliment that everybody wanted to give the pastor at the end of the sermon was preacher. If I knew you were going to preach like that, I'd have wore my steel toe boots because you just stepped all over my toes. <laughs> um, you know, we had a rather sadistic faith where it was like, man, if I didn't get convicted, we didn't have church. Um, and you know, in many ways, we know we're a good Christian if we have something to repent of. <laughs> right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Repentance is a beautiful gift. Sure, uh, I'm not disparaging it. When, when what is going on in my heart is wrong, there's nothing better than repentance. When what's going on in my heart is not bad, but hard, I need comfort for grief rather than forgiveness for sin. And that's kind of the Psalm 44, where this person, like, God feels no need to rebuke them. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the introduction to Psalm 44, as an addendum, like, there's there's plenty of places where he go, okay, this is in here, but you shouldn't talk this way. It Again, that kind of passage is an invitation. Mm -hmm. Um it's not validating the interpretations. I mean, God's not saying, oh, yeah, I took a nap this one time and Psalm 44 <laughs> caught me. Right. Uh, but it is saying there will be times where that's the only explanation you can come up with. Yeah. And when that's all yeah. you got, we can talk about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. The sort of where was God when that happened kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's very real. Uh, so if someone is stuck um, from... If, if they're honest, they, they realize that the sort of the primary thing there is grief. 
but the anger is sort of the the thing that's that's burning in them mm-hmm. um what are some real practical good steps to to walk out of that yeah well, i even like the word that you use in introducing that you're like grief is the primary thing uh, and i'll play off of that and say anger is the secondary thing mm-hmm. uh, well in counseling i mean this is rather kind of um almost cliche in counseling circles but there's a difference between primary and secondary emotions Uh, primary emotions tend to be more vulnerable secondary emotions tend to be more self-protective primary emotions are how we feel about a situation secondary emotions are how we feel about how we feel about that situation so taking that kind of word salad uh, and right. giving it a very practical example that anybody here who's listening and has children can relate to. Imagine you're in the front yard. Uh, your child is playing when you see them start to take off towards a busy street. Uh, and we ask, what is the primary emotion? How do I feel when my child is in danger? Well, I feel afraid. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to call out and I'm going to say, stop right there. Don't take another step. Uh, because I I get kind of upset when I'm afraid for my child's safety. Mm-hmm. If you were to interview my child in that moment and say, at this moment, how do you think your papa feels? Do you think they are A, angry, or B, afraid? Uh, yeah, chances are the child is going to say angry. Sure, That's what came through. It was what was on surface. It was on top. Now, if you come to me, as the parent, and you say, hey, uh, I don't think you need to be upset. You are a little sharper than you need to be. I think you need to get your anger under control. I'm probably going to feel defensive and misunderstood. But do you not get what's going on? How am I supposed to feel when my child is running towards a busy street? On the other hand, if you recognize that there was a primary emotion that was more vulnerable, in that case, fear, in the case of this book, grief, that this secondary emotion was just a safer and more immediate way to express. Mm -hmm. And you said to me, Brad, hey, your child's okay. Take a deep breath. I know that's unsettling. Let's, 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 Let's be able to talk about it. By acknowledging the sec- the primary emotion and not getting distracted by the secondary, you actually like there is a ground for conversation that we have. Uh, that if we serve a God who knows our heart completely, that knows every word on our heart before it slips out of our mouth, uh, He is not grading everything we say on decibel levels alone. <laughs> um, he knows where it's coming from. Uh, and so that kind of distinction that says my my first goal is to be able to identify what that primary emotion is and be able to talk with it as the forefront and let that secondary emotion fade to the background, uh, not ignoring it, but just going, it's it's the safer thing. It's the stronger thing. It's not the primary thing. It's not the main thing. Mm -hmm. That kind of transition um, isn't just about being nice so we don't upset other people. Um, It's about putting ourselves in a position to actually process what we're going through in a healthy way. Oh, 
Where were you years ago in early parts of my <laughs> marriage where I needed I needed some of this? And here, but here's here's what I want to know because just to give another example, you know, there were times where, um, you know, maybe I didn't do something as quickly or forgot to do something or didn't do it the way my wife wanted, and and she seemed to me to be unreasonably angry about it. But the reality was, is there was some other stuff that was going on that she was rightly not happy with me about, you know, and it had a lot had to do with relationship, frankly. But those times, it takes uh, a level of maturity and or experience uh, or some inside knowledge that you're giving us to to recognize, oh, okay, it's actually not about this big, loud thing over here but it's about this quiet thing that's unresolved over here. Any advice on when we're dealing with other people um, on how to distinguish between the primary and secondary? Because that, if you're, if you're not even aware of it, you're, you're, you're never even going to think of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know what you don't know. Um, but if you are able to spot it, now you can deal with the thing that seems to be the big deal, but it's not by dealing with the primary. Does that make sense? Yeah. And usually the people that we know well enough that they would invite us to come alongside of them on this kind of journey, we often know the kinds of things that are prompting this. Hmm. You know, to use your example that's very relatable to me, when I've disappointed my wife by not following through on the thing that I said, whether it slipped my mind or I was selfish or whatever. Right. Like, I... I know, yes, she is angry, but she's also disappointed. And if I start trying to tell her why she shouldn't be angry, <laughs> uh, then the disappointment's going to feel invalidated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, of being able to come alongside somebody, if we, if we know them well enough to have a sense for what that is, even if their words are hard, hot and sharp, um, for us to just introduce the idea of like, hey, I, I get things seem strong and tense in what you're saying. I get the sense that you're hurting. Mm. Um, and it makes sense, you know, whatever the, um, sure. you know, this loved one just passed away. This dream just uh, didn't come to fruition. Uh, this relational context just fell apart. Um can we talk about the hurt? Hmm. Um, Hmm. And again, if we know somebody well enough to know what that is, and we bear the title of friend in such a way that we would be welcomed in that space, people usually feel deeply appreciative, not redirected. That's good. Yeah. Redirecting someone's anger without a good place to go is not a smart thing to do necessarily. Right. It's like telling somebody, calm down. Uh, <laughs> right. In the history of humanity, nobody has ever calmed down when being told to calm down. Um, uh, but hey, I get the sense that you're hurting, and I do want to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have a situation, not with my wife, but where that is very applicable right now. Very, very good wisdom. So if you're watching and, and maybe you've got Someone who's going through a hard time, which is, which is what I've got, um, and they they do seem angry at times. But you know what? It's it's fear and it's grief going on in the background. 
and I hadn't really stopped to analyze it until I'm listening to you talk right now. Uh, and that's good because that's healthy. That'll help me be able to comfort them, I think. So very good. Here's the way I'd love to end because I know this is where this goes when dealt with properly, and that is that is the hope. Blessed are those who mourn, not because they're mourning, but for they shall be comforted. What's the hope on the other end of pushing through and having some better understanding and taking your anger, your grief to God? Yeah. And I think it's that it deepens our relationship and kind of strengthens our own character in ways that, that are really precious and unique. Um, you know, if we think of hard times in any relationship, we've mentioned marriage, this happens in friendships, it happens in church relationships. When you navigate a hard time together, um, doesn't mean the hard time was easy. Doesn't mean that um, like there's plenty of spots where we got dicey and spicy with one another on the journey. But at the end of it, we look at it if it was done well, and we go, we're closer. There's more trust um, that I have greater resilience and assurance that uh, that future hard things can be faced. Uh, because of this. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, when we grieve well, uh, I think it really helps us in a broken world where that's going to be a frequent experience. Um, you know, praise God for heaven when grief goes away. Is, um, it, is it possible, you think, to get some peace in this life, peace that passes understanding? Oh, yeah. Uh, and when, again, when you weather a storm, and you see a next storm coming, it, you can acknowledge this storm's going to be hard, but we've made it through a few of these. Mm -hmm. And so you can prepare and brace and do all the things that wisdom would entail, but you start to do it with more peace, yeah. uh, more reassurance, more confidence that, um, hey, me, God, and the people he's brought into my life, we, we, can, we can navigate this terrain. Mm-hmm. You think you think joy is attainable for some people? That that's a hard one. I know some people think they'll never feel joy again. Yeah, it um, it is. Uh, that's one where for some folks they they hear that question and they brace and they're like, ah, you're just going to tell me to rejoice in my suffering. Right. Uh, and I hope one of the things that they get just from the tone of our conversation uh, is that this book is not a fast forward book. Mm. It's not a microwave book. Mm. It, uh, one of the things I love about Psalm 23 is when it talks about the good shepherd, uh, taking us through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. Um, the verb that is used is walk. walk. Yep. That we have a shepherd that will move at the pace of his sheep. Uh, he's not hurrying us through because the terrain seems uh, so tumultuous. We have a shepherd that will move at the pace of his sheep. And yes, joy, uh, joy, it can be restored. Yeah. Um, it, but if that's not where you're at, I mean, one of the things I say frequently throughout the book is just because you're at this point in the book doesn't mean you're at this point in your journey. Don't let the turning of pages rush you. Mm. Uh, walk the process. Don't just read the pages. Yeah. 
No, I think that's very important. Sometimes we want to we want to pray the pain away, mm-hmm. and really scripturally, it's it's no. I'm going to walk with you through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good, Brad. I appreciate it. anything you want to add before I let you go. This is this has been good, been hard, been deep at times, but some people are going to need to back up and listen to this conversation yeah. a few times. Uh, yeah, maybe I, pick up um, the book. Yeah. By the way, you know, the somehow book's... I never get the seven ways to be happy with Jesus talk uh, in my role as a counselor. That <laughs> one just isn't the uh, lot that gets assigned me. But uh, this book, one of the ways that it was written was to facilitate a relationship between friends. Hmm. It's a very conversational book that if you're the one hurting, you can invite somebody to come alongside of you. If you've got a friend who's hurting, you can gift this as a way to ask if they would allow you to come alongside of them. Uh, That part of the relationship that is seeking to be forged in this book is not just your relationship with God, but relationships with fellow believers Mm -hmm. who can be as hands and feet and eyes and ears as you walk this journey. That's good. That's important. If you want to pick this up, uh, it's called Angry with God by Brad Hambrick. Uh, you can get it. You go to the website and it'll direct you, but you can get it wherever you pick up books. It's through New Growth Press. So they're everywhere. Uh, so if this is a good tool for you or for someone else, please forward this, you know, share this, mention this to them. Say, hey, look, this is this is really good. Help me. I think maybe it'll, it can help you uh, because the important thing is that you don't sit in it, but you get up and you walk through it. Uh, and Brad will help you do that. Brad, thank you so much for your time and your insight. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you guys out there watching. If you haven't subscribed or followed or liked, that's always helpful. We'll let you know when we have more interviews up and when you see something that you're like, oh, that's me. We'll help walk you through some of these things uh, by pointing you to God. That's the ultimate place. But sometimes conversations help, so we appreciate you being here. We'll see you again next time.